Welcome, dear friends, to the Taviren, a Wheel of Time podcast hosted by three gentlemen for whom the very wheel itself bends around. Without further ado, here are your hosts, Bill, Rob, and Rich. Good evening, everyone, and welcome back. This is, of course, the Taviren, a Wheel of Time podcast. I am your humble host, Rob. And I'm Rich. Rich, I keep struggling. Every time I bring us in, I keep saying my our humble host. I mean, I'm a humble person, but people are going to think I'm too humble. I can't think of anything on the fly smarter to say. <laughs> I'm not humble. It's okay. <laughs> and then you say, well, I'm just Rich. Yep, I'm just me. I'm the yin to your yang. Right. <laughs> How has the week been for you, buddy? Oh, you know. Busy, busy, busy. <laughs> For those who don't know, um, the other podcast that Rich does, RPG The Golden Years, has gone through a little bit of a rebrand and has now been renamed RPG The After Years, and he is on with a couple other hosts now. Who, who Can you give us a little, a little quick background on, on the new format? Yeah, so we've decided to not really scrap Golden Years, but kind of condense it um into something we just talk about the list we talk Mm -hmm. about that list a little bit but then the other hosts and myself uh topics we you know are changing the format of the layout of of what we're going to talk about we have news we have uh, reviews uh, of other games that are not on the list a little more modern right yeah more modern okay more more modern feel to it great Figured I'd just throw that out there, let everybody know that you that you have been busy, not just pumping iron and, and working, but you've been doing some other podcast such activities. Yes. I think <laughs> so, I'm dying. <laughs> Still have that list of 500 games looming overhead, but it yeah, doesn't seem as daunting right now. No, I have to start the next game. Like, I had to do that tonight. Like, I have to start it tonight. I was going to do it yesterday. Things came up. I got to do it tonight. Is that Alundra? Yep. Okay, I've never played that one, but uh, yeah, looks I'm interesting. Looking forward to it. <laughs> so this week, this week we are going to be going over chapter thirty-eight, simply named "Rescue." We mentioned last week this is the first time that Jordan is going to give us the same events from a different perspective. So as we know, uh, Nynaeve, Lan, and Moraine infiltrated a White Cloaks camp in efforts to to rescue one of the three Evansfielders boys. During that last chapter, Nynaeve realizes that Egwene is also among them. Let's see what happens this week. So we don't have any new iTunes reviews, but we have been... When I just read from uh, Tyler, he posted a little bit of information, Tyler and Bill actually, on Discord. We're getting a lot of positive feedback on YouTube. Our YouTube numbers have spiked a little bit in the last, I'd say, maybe a week or so with some great comments. Thanks to everybody who leaves us any kind of review it really truly you know i sound like a broke record but it really truly helps us just be the best we can be for you guys yep i forget we have a youtube channel all the time you, you what you... i forget we have a youtube <laughs> channel all the time uh, i i'm a, i'll admit i'm a stat whore so i'll constantly be checking to see oh who's looking now ooh, which video are they watching oh ooh, ooh, ooh. you know i'll tell i'm a total nerd when it comes to that kind of stuff i'm looking it up now <laughs> I think we got like 60-some followers. Maybe we need to do something if we get to, to 100 subscribers. Yeah. <laughs> See what kind of crazy crap we can have Bill do. In Wheel of Time news, I know they were talking about breaking away from the first Wednesday of the month, Wheel of Time News Wednesday, 
And of course, you know, we are recording the morning of a Wheel of Time Wednesday day, so there may be new more news coming out later today. But I did, yeah. they did tease that they had a sit-down interview with Brandon Sanderson, and they're going to talk about the TV show and his thoughts on season one. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, I'm excited for that one. I am too. And is it is it me, Richard, when you look at the hashtag WOT on Prime, I just call it Wonton Prime. Yeah, that's actually kind of funny. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll call that from time to time. It's, it's easier it's easier on the tongue than saying WOT on Prime. I'll just say, hey, uh, I saw a Wonton, Wonton Prime. Yeah. They were talking to Brandon Sanderson. I do like that. Wonton <laughs> Prime. Wonton Prime. We'll just, we'll just call it that from now on. <laughs> Yeah, so I was on hashtag Crab Rangoon Prime, and they were talking about... <laughs> All right, I'm not that funny. I'm sorry. Anyway. <laughs> Chapter 38, Rescue. As we as we mentioned, perspective shifts. We're now with Perrin and Egwene, or Perrin specifically. The White Cloaks are making their way to Camelin. They're marching down the road. They're bringing the prisoners with them. So as we know that the White Cloaks were originally on their way to Camelin, apparently to... to throw their weight into the whole low gain uh, scenario. But of course they picked up these two uh, obvious, obvious dark friends. They must be evil. Why would two people be wandering around the countrysides? But Hey, that's, that's the way they look at it. So the thought is we'll go to Camelin, do what we need to do there and then head back to our home base in Amador where the questioners will, will suss out the truth. Cause obviously you're lying. It's that one of the first things that the parent recalls is that he's starting to have dreams again. But this time, they're not Balzaman dreams. They're not wolf dreams. But they're versions of what's to come once they reach once they reach to the questioners in Amador. So it seems as though uh, Bayer, a child Bayer, very calmly and very succinctly and without emotion explains to them how the questioners do their deeds, how they get the information out. Jordan doesn't go into the specifics per se, but he leaves you with a feeling that they're, they're no bueno at all right yeah i mean <laughs> the, the dreams that he's getting um everything's kind of shaping up to what's what's to come uh-huh. the next i would say pretty quickly yeah it's you know we have ways of making you talk you know mm-hmm. it's, basically it's it's creepy and it's cre- and it's and it's a good literary tactic to not go into the details just to leave it to the reader's imagination mm-hmm <clears throat> it's all about child buyer and his matter of fact way of speaking. The torture methods just make it all the more chilling. If he had emotion or if he came off as a crazy person, as in how happy he would be to see these things being done, you know, it would make it not normal, but a little less just jarring than the way he delivers this information. The guy is guy. His eyes have seething hate towards Perrin, but he puts up a complete, absolutely doesn't give a crap kind of vibe and it makes him more chilling and more of a of a fearful character to Perrin. yeah yeah by our may or may not have made a proposition to the guys um one yes. time yes that this is this is the very important scene and and how Perrin kind of suss out and work out information they're making their way down the road and he comes up to them and he, he stops the guards guarding he's like i need to talk to them he let me let me talk about that one Go ahead, go for it. So, you know, he comes in and, you know, talks about them having to get to their destination. However, they feel or he feels that 
the boys are or, uh, the boy and uh, the girl are creating a dilemma for them. They're you know, sl- yeah, they're slow. Yes, they're slow. You know, Bornhold is is bound by honor, bound by taking them to their destination, having them tried and, and do all this stuff. However, he's taking up way too much time to do that. Yep. So the proposition is, you know, you could, you what happens if you know you you cut your your bounds, and you just flee, disappearing. Like I personally, you know, don't condone this, but you know, what if your bonds were slipped and you disappeared? You know, maybe you cut your your bonds on a rock. <laughs> Nobody saw you. Oh look, there's but a rock that's right the here. Position. <laughs> we think you would just drops a rock to the to the ground, and the rock has a sheared yeah. edge to the side of it. Yeah. Perrin, I think is... I get it. I, I get why he's doing it. He's trying to make sure, like, you know, yeah, this is, you know, we have to do something else though. Like, we don't have time to be messing with with these potential dark friends we can always come back from later basically is what the impression i'm getting that's the impression he's pitching to Perrin. i take it yeah as we've learned before that bornhold uh, by a uh, child by art will be rough without notice i think the thing was like when he let them sleep they sleep you know wherever and he kicks them awake and if you don't wake up i'll just kick you again all right let me wind up kick you again Earlier in the, earlier in this scene, he kicks Perrin a couple times to wake him up, and he goes to kick Egwene. And before he can, Perrin's like, "Egwene, wake up now!" So that way, yep. she she kind of wakes up. She he saves her a couple shots in the ribs. He knows that this guy is emotionally ruthless. Yep. And all I these... do like how Perrin is very protective of, of Egwene. Oh yeah, oh yeah. That's yeah. The two rivers take care of themselves. That whole theme mm-hmm. emanates through the entire series. This is more clear here than ever. He, he yep. knows that he doesn't care who Egwene, he doesn't care if it's a boy, girl, Trollic, Fate, whatever. He's going to kick this thing until it wakes up. That's how he is. And he sees him wind up and he's immediately like, Egwene, 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 get up now. You know, she's like, what? what? Oh, well, I'm awake, I'm awake, I'm awake. She's, she's very oblivious about it. Yeah. Well, okay. Yeah, and she snaps into place. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you know, the first thought is, yeah, that's right. I, if I cut these binds and and we escape, you guys can go back to your normal speed and head off to Caitlin, do whatever it is what you want to do, and Edwin and I will just scurry off the other way. You'll never see us again. We'll never bother you again. That would work. Then he starts to think, as Perrin does, he thinks about all the possible situations. That's he's he's a deliberate person. You know, when he was growing up, people thought he was just a slow, a big dumb slow guy. But he's not. He's deliberate and plots he's out. Thinking, taking he's his time. thinking. And he takes things out to their logical conclusions. So then his second thought is, well, if we run away, you're going to kill us without hesitation because now we're fleeing prisoners and you're within your rights to just kill us where we stand. Because why we would obviously be dark friends in your eyes at that point because we're running. It's just, it's very popular theory in our world. If you're not guilty, then why did you run? Yeah, basically. But the white cloaks automatically think that you're guilty, and you have to prove to them why you're not guilty. Exactly. It doesn't help very often. I mean, well, it doesn't happen very often. It it I agree. They may already have been found guilty and just not processed right. litigiously yet. If they begin to run, all that's out the door. They're automatically guilty, and 
They're gonna gun you down. They have they have they're within their rights to just slay you where you stand. Then he takes it to the third ultimate conclusion. Well, Bayer has already made his move. He's already propositioned us. If we don't run, he's going to kill us where we stand so that we don't snitch on him. Mm -hmm. And now his mind is just completely racing. He has no idea what he can do here. It's There are no positive outcomes now, and he's fumbling and struggling and he's like wait a second repeat that one thing again he's just stretch out as much time as he can and then he gets the wolf message help yep. comes he realizes that's a wolf message he realizes that something's brewing outside he doesn't know what it is he has no idea how help is coming he just knows now that he just needs to stammer and, he, and, and he's it's, he's trying to filibuster he's like wait, wait let me think oh, please just give us enough time I need to there are no more good options. I need to think about what happens here. So he's trying to stammer and, and clamor and just kind of filibuster until help arrives. And help arrives in what form? A mysterious slice in the tent and lights go out. Well, before that, before that, Bayar talking to Perrin and Egwin and the two guards behind Bayar. All oh, the two guards get sucked out. Well, all of a sudden you hear, zoop. What, what happened? What, you know, all of a sudden, and then the second guard, zoop. Yeah, where, where did they go? Then all of a sudden, a mysterious man steps out. It's our man. It's our man, Lan. Batman, Jamaican Lan. Yeah, Batman, Jamaican Lan. There we go. There's another nickname for him. <laughs> and Bayar swings into action with Perrin's axe. And I thought that was kind of cool that he immediately like he. I didn't know if he was already trained in art with 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 an axe, but he was. He's kept Perrin's axe on his side almost in a mocking way. And as soon as he's approached by by a foe, he immediately uses the axe and attacks with Perrin's axe. And I think the way Jordan describes it is Lan just casually slides out of the way to where the axe flung by so close he could have felt the wind from it. Yep. It gives him a couple shots and I guess, you know, like a five-finger death puncher, lack of a better term. Or, or what was the, what was the, um, in Kill Bill, the, uh, five-step exploding heart technique or something like that. Like He gives him a couple shots at so. certain pressure points, and Bayer just drops. That was how I was seeing it. When Uma Thurman yeah. goes, thump, 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 and the guy's like, oh, Bayer my God. thought he was super cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As we find out in hand-to-hand combat, Lan uses least effort, most results. So he just, you know, he doesn't have to make this big flurry of, of dodges and barrages or, or, or parries. He just calmly moves his head and has the axe right by. And then he goes, pump, pump, pump. And Bayer just crumbles like a stack of potatoes. Not dead. That was one thing that they did, did that Land did tell Perrin and, and Egwin. When, when Perrin asked, are they dead? He's like, no, no, no. No, I, I knocked him out. I just use non, I only use non-lethal techniques until it becomes absolutely necessary to use lethal techniques. Kind of a, kind of an eerie way for him to word that. But Bayer, it was, you know, obviously he was crumbled, but he was, he was still breathing. Lan is is the Batman of Randland. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was very Batman like where like the two people just disappear, then then this mysterious man comes out, takes care of business. I like the narrative of Perrin trying to take the axe from Bayar unconsciously when when he's unconscious. Because Lan's like, no, he's out, he's done. He'll be he'll be down for a while. And Perrin's like, uh, I don't believe you. 
I'm still very nervous about taking the cloaks and the, the, the axe from his hand. He's like, he's going to wake up and just cut him down. It'd be kind of funny, though, if Lane just walks over and punches Byer on the face. <laughs> like he, he's down, I swear. <laughs> but I love the vision that even unconscious, Perrin still fears him. Yeah. He's broken his will enough to even laying there unconscious. Nah, I don't like, I'm not happy with this at all. But the plan was to don the white cloaks cloaks so that they, on the outside, appear to be just part of the encampment. They take care of the guards, they get the white cloaks, they, they, put, they put them on, and they start to make their way through camp. And the parents are like, well, how are we just going to walk out? And then all of a sudden, that's when the lightning storm hits. You know, the, he, felt, he felt the ground rumble, and the whole, all the same kind of literary uh, themes that were used. It was more light than dark, the ground was rent. It was like day during the night. And with all of the, the chaos and haywire that was going on, they were able to make their way through camp without issue. People will call and say, hey, you three, we need you over here. Okay, we're, we're going to go this way. They didn't question these three white clothes making their way out of camps because of all the ruckus of the, the lightning storm, we also have the added benefit of Nynaeve unleashing the horses. They, they could make as if they were making their way out of the camp to go chase a horse. This plan works just about to absolute perfection. Uh-huh. Yeah, in all of the ruckus, no one stops to question the children, three random children who are heading their way out of the camp, and then Lan leads them to where Ma Rain is. All right, pardon me as I turn the page. As, as Bill would have said, he would have quoted James Hatfield, turn the page. Yes. <laughs> they meet up with Moraine, as unflappable as I Sedai are, Moraine's in a little bit of a huff. She's annoyed. Yeah, she's... Well, she's annoyed that that the village wisdom, Nynaeve, has not returned. Because she gave her very specific instructions to go down to the camp, cut the horse lines, come back with the horse, and meet me here. Well, Nynaeve's like, screw that, I'm going to wait. (laughs) Just to be a thorn in your side, I'm not going to do the comeback part. I'm going to wait and make a grand entrance later on. What's Lane's reaction when he finds out that Nynaeve is still in camp? He's kind of pissed off a little bit. A little irritated. He, he is, but what does he do first? Oh, hell. He pivots around and starts to make back for the camp. And gets quickly shut down by Maureen. The unflappable, unemotional, she gives him a very sharp no. And he yes. stops in his tracks. And he can tell he's like, Okay. When I was a kid, I could tell how much trouble I was with my mom by, by how much of my name she used. So if she called me Robert, I knew I was in trouble. But if she called me Robert Charles Lennon, I knew I had done some shit. Yeah. Same for you? I think it's pretty yeah, much... Yeah, totally. If, if you get the full name with the middle name, you're like, oh, God, what did I do? Calls him out, Alan Mandragorn, and she throws out a whole bunch of titles and oaths that he's dealt with. Like, Have you forgotten yourself? You know, Alan Mandragorn, the kid, blah, 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 you know. The, and one of the things she calls him is the Lord of Malkiri. Now, as our listeners know, Richard, you only have knowledge into the third book. But I, I will tell you that the phrase Lord of the Malkiri is incredibly huge. And okay. a big drop, a big, a big name drop at this point of the book. I was going to just, I'm just notating that to our, to our listeners who may not know the whole story. The, the phrase Lord of the Malkiri for Lan is not a small thing. 
and this is our first real drop of that. Land does acquiesce. Borders and Aes Sedai do have their rule sets, and, and his is he, he, he can't disobey. So she gave him a straight, hard no. As, as they resolve that, and he stays with him, Oh, Nynaeve then makes a perfectly timed entrance with the two, with the with the creator herself too in tow. So they're like, like, well, what are we gonna do? Where's Nynaeve? So I'm right here. Well, and she, she answers, I got the horse, and I got Bella. It was a perfectly timed. She, she, she I, it was almost like she was waiting in the wings for them to talk about her, mm-hmm. so she could pop out like, here I am. <laughs> you know, you dumbasses left me with the horses. Well, guess what? Here I am with the horses. <laughs> you know, kind of a kind of an aha moment for Nynaeve where she was where she ends up being like hey i can handle myself i did what you said i made it out here i am you're welcome i did my job i did my job i did it well you're welcome so after everyone makes makes leave of the white coat camp they set up camp however far down the road and they discuss where matt and rand are moraine believes they're in camelin and the 90s like she thinks they're in camelin hopefully they are for her sake you know blah 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 that night in camp Nynaeve sits down with Perrin, and she tells him, Edwin told me some of the guards were kind of rough with you. I need to assess the damage and, and take care of business here. Because, you know, I am, I am your village wisdom. I need to take care of my people. Perrin takes off his top, takes off his shirt, and Nynaeve is just aghast. Apparently his, his chest is completely yellowed and purple from bruises. Yeah. And he hadn't even noticed. Yeah, he got, he got the crap, crap kicked out of him. He got several craps kicked out of him he and he looks down he, he couldn't even believe how bruised he was and he even thanked master luhan for for working him so hard in the forge to uh, build up the muscle mass that probably saved him a few cracked ribs in the process yeah <laughs> nynaeve goes to help Perrin with his wounds as she's applying as she's applying these kind of salves and, and poultices and healing him she's mumbling to herself she thinks they're in Camelot. She thinks they'll be safe. She thinks I shouldn't have to worry about some things. She and it just you can just tell she's brewing and just seething anger, just bubble, 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 bubbling up. And she's doing this while she's healing Perrin. After she's done, both the little uh, little hissy fit and working with Perrin, Perrin realizes that the bruises are almost all but gone, and he can make full deep breaths almost no no uh discomfort at all and once yeah. again once again without spoiling things this is also another big kind of naive plot point he even commented that these bruises healed faster than normal when he sits with when, when he's no naive like whatever she did is more effective or way more effective than she's ever been with him before and I'm going to point out that, please, please uh, how can I word this? Um, keep in keep in mind where her mind was while she was administering this this uh, the healing to Perrin. Or she's rubbing his chest down. Well, she was rubbing his chest down, but where her mind was when she was doing it. Oh, I know where it was at. <laughs> Giggity. No. Giggity. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the worst of all tangents. All right, it's probably better that you just crushed my whole uh, non-spoiler moment there. But yeah, jiggity jiggity, I'll go with jiggity jiggity. I win. Yeah, that never fails. Sorry, that was a non-spoiler spoiler. 
but <laughs> those who know who those who know what that means will probably hopefully laugh at that. Anyway, it's this moment that the wisdom and the eyes Sedai notice Perrin has yellow eyes. You know, she's she she heals him. He sees he's commenting. Oh wow, I feel great. Thank you. And she goes, wait a second. And she grabs him by the head, pulls in. She goes, if you had, you would have had a fever, and you would have been way more fatigued and tired. And yeah, she what thinks you, it's a an illness. Yeah, she. Like, what are you talking about? She goes, well, yellow fever, yellow eyed fever, but the out the it, the outsides of your eyes would be yellow, not the irises. And then you know, parents like, ah, oh, shit. And that's when mm-hmm. Lan and Maureen both are like, what? And, you know, and then you know, Maureen chimes in. And then we find out she she realizes what this means, and she can't really the Maureen can't really discern this is good or bad. It's a thing, and she kind of throws it to the wind. Oh, the wheel weaves as the wheel wills, but you can tell she's she's a little. I didn't see this coming, and I'm not quite sure what this means. Perrin does admit that they met Elias Pachera. Um, Elias can commune with wolves and communicate with wolves. And that Perrin has started that down that it seems Perrin has started down that path as well. One thing we did find out, and Lan kind of dropped this little bit of information on us, Lan knew Elias back in the day. Apparently Elias is a former warder. But that was before he how would I word this? Before he met the wolves and the red Aja found him. That's when Lan knew him. We don't actually know that much about the Red Aja at this point in the books yet, aside from that the Queen's advisor is one, and that Rand was advised to kind of stay clear of her, mm-hmm. and that the Red Aja took care of Owen, per se, in quotes, took care of Owen, Tom's nephew. Now, we're starting to get a little, we hear this about Elias and before the Red Aja got him. Yeah. We're not sure. Sh- as the reader reading this for the first time, that's like the third time that someone's mentioned the Red Aja in not the most pleasant terms. That's one thing going forward is to, you know, now that we know the Red Aja, got to keep both eyes on them. We'll, we'll find out. We'll find out more about that later. But we find out, like, a little backstory on Elias. He was a warder. You know, Elias ran with Lan, apparently. Yep. There's Lan, some connection. Some connection. Yes, yes. Uh, also, Lan goes into a little bit uh of the back like not backstory but he he mentions to Perrin that the dark one's prison may be weakening if he can touch you here it means that things are changing yes yes the last note i have is says Perrin also muses that the dark one can't harm you unless you name him and i got here in big letters like voldemort <laughs> that's how yeah, it was. That, that makes me laugh too about that <laughs> in the harry you know, potter world don't name him he can't touch you. Yep. And his name holds power. You see, if you call out his name, he'll just like appear like, hello, you summoned like Beetlejuice. Yes. Like the worst, the worst version of Beetlejuice. That's how this chapter ends. I think it was a broken, like another broken record, but it's a good chapter. It, it's the first time that he, we got the same event from a different perspective. We got some reuniting here. We got one of the Emmons fielders back with Moraine. We got Egwin back with Nynaeve. I think it was good it was a good way to kind of put a little bow on this little subplot what do you think yeah i mean it's it's a good way that uh jordan put this in a different perspective and shows you know what's going on um with uh parent and egwene showing that they're still being captured by white cloaks how they escaped how 
again, how much of a threat that the white cloaks feel anything that could mm-hmm. be potentially labeled as dark friend is to them. Mm-hmm. And not to mention how badass Lan is. <laughs> I mean, just Batman. really like three or four quick movements and knocked out supposedly a high ranking white cloak. <laughs> I'm Alan. Yeah. Who are you? I'm Manticore. <laughs> so he it shows a great insight of you know what land can do in a very quick motion basically a quick mm-hmm. you know setting uh what the white cloaks will do um they're not all think by the light and they'll do everything you still got some that, like like Bornhold that's you know maybe thinking of something higher Bornhold wanted the lesser Perrin, ones to get to the, the bigger ones. My opinion is Bornhold wanted Perrin dead. At, Correct. And he did he can't disobey his command commanding officer, but he presented him a proposition and if he picked he picked option A, he was gonna kill him. Yeah. If he picked option B, he was gonna kill him. Yeah. There, there's well it's okay. Option A was he was gonna kill him pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Option B was I'm gonna I'm gonna let you run and then I'm gonna I'm gonna tear you down. Yep. And that gives me the legit reason to do it. So, exactly. And then, you know, Land comes and rescues them and then introduces, once they're back to the camp, about um, potentially being the thing with his eyes and like mm-hmm. Rain's stating things were not foreseen when okay. this happening. So it, it gives a good tie in in getting people back together. Okay. Yeah, I know. It's a very good chapter. This is going to take us into the readings with Rob. Um, I took, I took the section uh, after they've been rescued, I believe, uh, and Nynaeve is is realizing that his eyes are a little off. Yep. And now, the Taviren present to you readings with Rob. Chapter thirty-eight, rescue. She stood looking at him silently for a time, then squatted with her back beside her, saying briskly. Hit your coat and shirt off, Perrin. Then tell me one of the white cloaks took a dislike to you. He complied slowly, still half lost in Dapple's message, until Nynaeve gasped. Startled, he stared at her, then at his own bare chest. It was a massive color. The newer, purple blotches overlaying the older ones faded into shades of brown and yellow. Only thick slabs of muscle earned by hours at Master Luhan's forge had saved him from broken ribs. With his mind filled by the wolves, he had managed to forget the pain, but he was reminded of it now, and it came back gladly. Involuntarily, he took a deep breath and clamped his lips on a groan. How could he have disliked you so much? Nynaeve asked wonderingly. I killed two men. Aloud, he said, I don't know. She rummaged in her bag and he flinched when she began spreading a greasy ointment over his bruises. Ground ivy, five finger, and sunburst root, she said. It was hot and cold at the same time, making him shiver while he broke into a sweat. But he did not protest. He had had experience of Nynaeve's ointments and poultices before. As her fingers gently rubbed the mixture in, the heat and cold vanished, taking the pain with them. The purple splotches faded to brown, and the brown and yellow paled, some disappearing altogether. Experimentally, he took a deep breath. There was barely a twinge. You look surprised, Nynaeve said. 
She looked a little surprised herself and strangely frightened. Next time, you can go to half. Not surprised, he said soothingly. Just glad. Sometimes Nynaeve's ointments worked fast and sometimes slow. But they always worked. What happened to Rand and Matt? Nynaeve began stuffing her vials and pots back into her bag, jamming each one in as if she were thrusting it through a barrier. She says they're all right. She says we'll find them. In Camelin, she says. She says it's too important for us not to. Whatever that means. She says a great many things. Pern grinned in spite of himself. Whatever else had changed, the wisdom was still herself, and she and the Aes Sedai were still far from friends. Abruptly, Nynaeve stiffened, staring at his face. Dropping her bag, she pressed the backs of her hands to his cheeks and forehead. He tried to pull back, but she caught his head in both hands and thumbed back his eyelids, peering into his eyes and muttering to himself. Despite her small size, she held his face easily. It was never easy to get away from Nynaeve when she did not want you to. I don't understand, she said finally, releasing him and settling back to sit on her heels. If it was yellow-eye fever, you wouldn't be able to stand. But you don't have any fever, and the whites of your eyes aren't yellowed. Just the irises. That was Readings with Rob. If there's a passage in an upcoming chapter you wish to have read on the podcast, simply tweet us at Pod with your request. All right, that was Readings with Rob. Next couple chapters, I'm going to probably introduce a few new characters. We'll, we'll, we will switch perspectives to, to Rand in the big city, because the next chapter is the big day where Loghain is, is brought before the queen. And hopefully Rand can get a, get a um, good seat for the show. We'll see how that goes. Yeah, and maybe Batman shows up again. <laughs> and maybe Batman Alan will show up to save the day. That's right. <laughs> All right. This was fun, Rich. I appreciate the time, man. Yeah, definitely. I, I think I am. I'm going to spar with Batman Alan. I'm going to spar, do some sparring. Yeah. What are you going to do? Gonna, I'm Batman. <laughs> I'm just going to say that for now. I'm He's going to be Batman. I'm Batman. You know, Batman. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go do some stuff. I don't know what I'm going to do yet. I think go I'm going to do stuff. All right, man. You take care. We will talk All to right. everyone next week. Take That's care. That's right. Bye. <laughs> now that our heroic trio have left the familiar confines of the two rivers, they find themselves being chased by all sorts of denizens of the Dark One. Our party has been scattered, and the boys separated from Marvrain and Land. Let us hope that luck, or some other force, can keep them safe. Uh, Bill? Bill? Billiam! Put that dagger down! You have no idea where in creation that's been! No, no, Rich. I don't have an extra cloak with me. Maybe if you didn't ride your horse straight into the Aranel, you wouldn't have this problem, hmm? For crying out loud, Robert! I know that girl from Berlon said weird things to you, but you shouldn't let it get under your skin so much. What are you, Eleven? You all remind me of a younger version of myself. Why, back in Watch Hill, I would...
Hello friends, this is Troidal Power, host of the Troidal Power Presents the Power Playthroughs podcast with Troidal Power, a podcast where I, your host, Troidal Power, play through games in a powerful way. And I'm inviting you to listen to Troidal Power Presents the Power Playthroughs podcast with Troidal Power, a podcast where I, your host, Troidal Power, play through games in a powerful way. You can find it and a lot of other weird shows at probablywork.com. This has been a presentation of the We Can Make This Work Probably Network. Follow us on Twitter at probablywork for more of our questionable content. Also, we have a website called probablywork.com. Go ahead and talk. Hello. Praise be to the creator. Try it again. All hail Bill in Bizarro World. <laughs>